0: You did your part when you called the double check. Now, some of y'all, you know, you just paid. That's on them right there. Uh, uh, you should follow up and make sure so you don't pay more than next month. I mean, you know, after you've done your part and they say, no, that's accurate for this much. you go ahead and write that check for $421. But my point is, folks, God not only hears prayers, but he answers prayers. And we should have a different expectation in terms of our relationship with God and what He desires to do for us. He doesn't love either one of those people more than He loves anyone else in this room. And what He does for them, I mean, no, He more than wants to do it for you as well, okay? And we're going to talk about that. The title of this message over the next couple of weeks, I'm really excited about it because this is the most revelation God has ever given me on the subject of prayer. And so coming out of 21 days of fasting. It's been in my heart since last year. I've been studying it probably for the last three to four months. We're going to talk about the blessing of answered prayer. I mean, it's a blessing to have your prayers answered. And I really believe if more people knew what was on the other side of their prayers, they would go to God more often if they really believed he could come through for them the way he said he would. So the problem is really never on God's end. I mean, it's always on our end. And so this is going to be a paradigm shift for a lot of people. And so really I want you to keep your spirit open and act like you've never heard anything on the subject of prayer ever before in your life. And just listen with a complete open mind and an open spirit. Go me to Romans chapter 8 because we're going to teach this not from the law's perspective, which is seven steps and five rituals and four things that we need to do to get God to do something. We're going to really teach it from grace's perspective and really our response to what God has already done, okay? And that's a completely different approach to this. Romans chapter 8 is our opening foundation text. We're going to read Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2, and I'll read out of the New King James Version. You follow along in whatever translation that you're looking at today. If you don't have a Bible, look on with a neighbor that might be uh, nearby, okay? Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 says, there is therefore now, somebody say right now, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation in the Greek means an adverse sentence or a verdict. There is not a human being, a situation, or a circumstance on this planet that can come against you And stop what God wants to do for you. When you are in Christ Jesus, and and that is the key language there. I believe I'm talking to a group of people who are in Christ Jesus. It is very difficult, folks, for a believer to live a life outside of Christ Jesus. I mean, we all make mistakes. But we don't live a lifestyle of sin, right? And so when you understand that, I want to be so clear You cannot be condemned. And so if God doesn't condemn you, don't you condemn yourself, and don't you let other people condemn you. Are you all listening today? And fight against this because people always want to put you down. They always want to find what's wrong with you. They always have something negative to say. And it's because of their own circumstances, not yours. They're trying to pull you down to where they're at. And you can never allow people to do that. God has raised you up far above that. You don't judge them. You turn around and pray for them. But know that whatever verdict they're trying to speak over your life, it does not apply to you. Not today. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not ever. I don't care what they said. They said, they said, they said, let them continue to say, and you focus on what God said. And God said he would never leave you, and he would never forsake you, and he will never condemn you as long as you stay in him. The Problem is sometimes we condemn ourselves, and we feel like I can't go to God because of what I did or what happened or what I'm doing. Listen, folks, there's nothing you can ever do that can stop God from loving you. That's a blessing and a comfort for me to know. This is getting ready to shock you even when I miss it. He doesn't love me any less. And he definitely is not getting ready to condemn me. Matter of fact, he's getting ready to use some kind of love and goodness to draw me right back in. All right? So there is therefore when? So this is a constant state of mind that you have to live in, that I am right with God. And I am right with God right now. Listen to me. I'm not trying to get right when I stop doing this and when I get out of this situation then. No, I'm right right now, even with what I'm doing. Oh, Jesus. And the more I have a consciousness of being right with God, the less of a desire I'll have to do wrong. The more of a consciousness I have of what I'm doing wrong, the more I do wrong. So there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Who do not walk according to the flesh. This word walk here in the Greek means to tread all around in, it means to walk at large, it means to be occupied with. So this is someone who has a lifestyle of walking all around in, treading around in, and being occupied with the flesh. Well, what is the flesh? The flesh means that which is external, or it means to be carnally minded. So, when you see people like that, a lot of times, they still love God. Something in their thinking is just completely off, right? And so, sometimes we think the answer to that is to go to First John 1 9 and say, Father, you said if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. But how do you know if that's all you do, you'll never change. And real repentance means, Father, I acknowledge that the behavior is wrong and something in my thinking is leading me to act this way. And then you'll go in and find out what God said about that particular area. Renew your mind, allow transformation to take place in your life. How many you know God is more pleased with that than he is you just saying, I'm sorry for what I did? And so I don't really, the sin is already forgiven. I don't even really do that anymore. I just say, Father, I acknowledge that that was wrong, and I know that you've already forgiven me from it. And so, Father, now I go to your word, and, and I know your word says different. And I begin to confess that back and renew my mind and say, Father, I thank you that the transformation is already taking place on the inside so that I live in the freedom that you've already provided for me from this area. Okay? This whole paradigm shift, folks, you're not trying to get free. You're already free. So many people are still trying to get something that they already have, which means I don't really believe that God can do that for me. You'll see what I'm talking about here. Who walk not according to the flesh, but... So, that word but there, this is why I want to go so slow. In the Hebrew, but cancels out everything that was said prior to that. So, listen, folks, we don't really have to worry about the flesh if we'll just focus on the spirit. Listen, so it's just wherever my focus is. I mean, if my focus is on flesh, I am going to be fleshly, especially if I'm saying I struggle with lust, I struggle with cigarettes, I struggle. That's the wrong confession. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he freed me from lust. He freed me from cigarettes. Come on, somebody. It's a different focus instead of confessing your flesh. But according to the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is making me free from the law of sin and death. Is that what that says? What does that say, Craig? What does that say? What does that say, Craig? What does that say? So it's already done. I'm not trying to be free, folks. I'm as free as, a, I'm as free as a jaybird right now. And once you shift your thinking to I'm trying to stop smoking to I'm free from smoking, smoking is no longer a problem. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Once you shift your focus from I'm trying to stop sleeping with people that I'm not married to to I'm free from sleeping with people that I'm not married to, it becomes real easy because of where your focus is. I'm trying to stop drinking. No, I'm free from drinking. All right, stay with me. I'm going to go real slow, okay? And you can't really get free unless you believe you're already free. As long as you believe it's a struggle, you'll struggle for the rest of your life. This is a law, folks, all right? He said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's not making me free. I'm already free, all right? Now, believing, folks, when we talk about the blessing of answered prayer, Believing is the first step to receiving. And confession is what seals the believing. All right, we'll go real slow. Believing and confessing, watch this, are spiritual laws that create a supernatural result for the believer and the confessor. All right? So, for a true born-again believer, the Really, we're supposed to live in a supernatural realm. All right, think about the praise report that I read. Had that person only relied on themselves and the natural, it would have took them to 40 or 50 years old to pay that loan off. But because they relied on something greater, they paid it off in their 20s. For a real believer, folks, to the world, everything is natural, right? Right? And so for the world, yes, it is hard to get through to the Department of Defense. But because we live in a supernatural realm, whenever we call, someone is going to pick up the phone and don't know why they picked up the phone and put us through to who we need to get through because for a true believer, the supernatural realm should be more real than the natural realm. And we're supposed to see results of it all the time. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. So believing is the first step. Hebrews chapter 11. And let's look at verse 6. I looked up every word here in the Greek for a better understanding. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Believing is the first step. Confession is what follows. Somebody say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus right now. Do you really believe what you just said? See, if your mind automatically looked like, went back to, but you don't understand what I'm doing, you're condemning yourself. If you can't see yourself that way, God's not condemning you, you're condemning yourself because God sees you that way, not because of anything that you've done, but because of what his son's done. And I'm glad he doesn't have to deal with me solely based off of who I am. Because he probably couldn't do it. Amen. Anybody else in here willing to be honest? If he had to deal with me just based off of who I am, he probably couldn't deal with me. Oh, I'm the only one willing to be honest. I got all these self- I said if God had to deal with me solely on what I bring to the table, he probably couldn't even he, he couldn't even look at me. But I thank God it has nothing to do with anything that I've done. What he sees is the shed blood of Jesus and the awesome price that was paid for me to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So all my confidence is in that blood and what he did. I have no confidence in myself. Stay with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith is a Greek word pistis here. And it means total trust, total reliance. It literally means to believe. So the first step is believing. So without believing, it is impossible to please him. Watch this. Impossible, folks, I want to get this through to you, simply means it's not possible. No way, no how, you cannot please him if you first don't believe. What are we believing? You don't believe him. For he that cometh to God must believe. Different Greek word. Greek word there is pistio. Now, the first one just is simple belief. But the second one is belief in a person. So it's not enough to just believe. How You have to believe in God. Not in yourself. Look, folks. God has done nothing for me because of who I am. Everything he's done for me is because of who he is. And what I've got to believe is that he is. You've got to put everything on this, folks. And not just that he is. Let me slow down. That's really the only way the Greek could write that because there's not enough books to contain trying to describe all that he is. Amen. So an example of that would be when Moses said to him, when God said, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Moses says, but when I get there, who should I tell him sent me? God was like, Mose, I don't have time to tell you. <laughs> everything that i can do so just tell them that i am sent you so in other words moses whatever situation you find yourself in i'll be whatever you need me to be in that situation so if they throw a snake out I'll make a snake out of your ride. Come on, somebody. If they throw some bugs out, I'll send some bugs to eat up all of their bugs. Come on, if they want to deal in darkness, I'll cause it to be dark on their side and light on your side. God said I am that I am, and that's all I ever will be. He'll be whatever you need him to be. If you believe that he can pay your debt off for you supernaturally, he can bring a spouse into your life, he can heal your body of cancer, he can restore marriage. Come on, he is the great I am. He can get you a job, he can promote you. God can do whatever you believe He can do. He can give us a building debt free, folks. And guess what? He's already given it to him. So he that cometh to God must believe that he is, watch this, and that he is a punisher. Why do we see him like that? God is not a punisher. God is a remunerator. He's a multiplier. He's a giver. He's a rewarder. And Listen. If you don't come to him with that understanding on the front end, that he wants to reward you, then you'll be hesitant to come to him. How many parents do I have in here? Let me tell you, I don't need to ask my kids if they have done something wrong. I already know when I walk in, they <laughs> avoid me. He doesn't come upstairs. She doesn't come downstairs. So the first thing I know, well, what happened? Right? Because they don't believe that in that moment, coming to me is going to get them any rewards. But let them get all A's on their report card. I can't get home fast enough. Right? So we understand them. Now, now I want to go real slow with this. God is a rewarder. Not some of the time, but all of the time. All right? And he doesn't reward us based on merit. Because we can't do enough good works to deserve anything from him. So it's never on our merit. You can't go back to him and say, I tithe, I give, I serve. Why don't you? Man, listen, that's not the way to approach God. The way you want to approach God is, God, you're good. You're great. You're greatly to be praised. You sent your son, Jesus. Jesus, you died on that cross for me. You took punishment in your body so I didn't have to take punishment in my body. How I many of that's a completely different perspective? It's about what he did, not what you did. And he is a rewarder of that type of approach to him. Now, I'll just be transparent and honest about myself. Uh, you know, human nature with us, uh, you know, I want to tell you I'll do the right thing all the time. But the reality is, if you slap me, I'm probably going to slap you back. I- I'm not even getting ready to play around with you. I'm just a- it's just a reaction. I probably won't even think about it. And and then how you know we come to ourselves after we realize, man, I just, right? But the initial reaction, you slap me, I'm probably coming right back. Bam. And if you fall down depending on what level of aggression you show, I might have to keep you down there for a minute. I tell, you, calm your butt down. You okay? You okay? You all right? Calm down. Now, stay down. Stay down. Relax. Relax. Help him up. Help him up. You okay now? You all right? All right. Calm yourself down. Don't show no more aggression. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Just being honest. Now, do you know Jesus? Exactly. Have you made him the Lord of your life? You know he's a rewarder, and he wants to be a blessing to you. I'm just saying, human nature, right? Human nature is to really do to other people what they do to you just human nature. Okay, it's like that. Okay, it's like that then. It's the way it'll be. God is so much different than us. Even when you do wrong, His first response to you is to do good. Where are you getting that from, Pastor? The Scripture says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So, believe it or not, while you're at your worst, he wants to give you his best to show you that he's not mad at you and he wants to reward you and to woo you right back to him. If you understand that, folks, you won't let whatever challenges you're going through while you're growing stop you from coming to him. Because guess what, folks? We're all growing through something. Can I just continue to be transparent? It just happened yesterday at my son's basketball game. I'm a fierce competitor, and I hate losing. And so the game going into overtime, Emmanuel, and in overtime, I think the score was 31-31 heading into overtime. And one of the guards on my son's team had made four straight free throws, and they put on the score that it was 33-34. So our, our score was 33. Now, if you, make, you do the math on that, if you make four free throws, sorry, our score was 34. If you make four free throws, what's the score? 35, right? So they had 35, we were down 35 34. So all the fans on our side up yelling, the score is 35 35, the score is 35 35, ref, the score is 35 35. They stopped the game, go over, and check the books. All of the people keeping the books was from their team. <laughs> all right, so they said, no, the books are right. The ref blows the whistle, start the game. One of the parents runs over there like, no, how, you, he just made four free throws. Then the protector and me protecting the mother that gets up. Now, I'm the most vocal person in the gym, Pastor Gregory. <laughs> so I'm yelling over there at the scores table, Pastor Gregory. <laughs> Pastor, don't cheat the kids. Come on, keep it fair. Let the kids kid determine who wins the game. All, I mean, I'm yelling all of this. So then after we win the game, I yell, the, the ball don't lie. The ball don't lie. I'm all caught up. How, how many of y'all know I'm all in the flesh right now? The ball don't lie. The ball don't lie. I'm yelling this. It didn't work. It didn't work. The ball don't lie. So the referee comes right to me. The game is over. And he says, sir, the game is over. You all already won. I mean, I'm in the flesh. Then finally it dawned. Oh, still up? Okay, there we go. How many know it dawned on me after a minute? And this is a true story. Stand up, Minister Benny. It dawned on me. I represent more than myself. I said, sir, that is a poor representation of who we are as believers. This is a Christian school. We're all Christian parents. <laughs> true story. And I said, I want to accept full responsibility for my actions. That was not the best way to handle that. But I will never apologize for being passionate for my children. God bless you, sir. <laughs> true story, true story. What I'm trying to show you is God is not like us. When we mess up, his first response is to reward us. Do you all believe that? All right? And so, God is a rewarder, but he's not a rewarder to just anybody, okay? Now, I'm trying to go as slow as I can. I have two children. You get all A's in my house, it's instantly, uh, I think, a two hundred and fifty or three hundred and fifty dollar check. I can't remember which one it was. We'll say two fifty. They get two hundred fifty dollars for all A's. All right. And, and so, how I many? One gets that every time because they're more diligent than the other. How do you know? I'm not treating them unfairly. I'm treating them the same. All right? One get. They both get all A's and B's. One gets all A's, which the agreement was two hundred and fifty dollars for all A's. So the other one will always come and say, but can I get a little something? (laughs) I still got all A's and B's, and so I might give them $50 or $75, something like that. But it's not going to come close to the $250. Because I don't want them to settle and say, I'll still get $200 anyway. I don't need to work that hard. I think the last time I gave $25. But listen, the one that, that I gave the $25, they don't have anything under a 96 right now. So it's working. Because they said, forget that, $250, $25, I can be a little bit more diligent than this right here. All right? So I need you all to understand, this is... What levels the playing field? It's never a matter of who God loves the most. God loves everyone the same, but he respects our faith differently. Okay, so watch this. He is a rewarder to them that diligently do what? Okay, diligently. What does this mean? These are people who search out, investigate, crave, demand, and carefully inquire to God about things. So this is a person that says, you know, financially I'm struggling. Let me search out, be diligent to find out what God, everything God said about that and seek to obey that. And how many know the reward is already built into it? All right. This is a person who's having a problem with marriage. They're not going to sit around and say, my marriage is broke. No, they're going to seek out God to figure out what God said about marriage and look to apply that, and the reward is already built into it because marriage is good. And it's good, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When you see a marriage that's not good, it's not the institution of marriage, it's the two people that are in it. Talk to me, balcony. Let me hear you up there. A little stronger. There we go. They're in the building today. All right? And so he's a rewarder, not just of anyone, but those that diligently seek him. Now, how many know I can't seek him for you? I mean, coming to church is a part of it, but it's not diligently seeking God. You know, you're diligently seeking God when you take what you learn at church and you go home and you search it out for yourself. And you say, I thank God for what pastor said, but I need to understand this for myself. Now you're diligent and the reward is built into it for you. All right, everybody clear on that? All right, go back. So, believing is... The first step, confessing, is the sixth step. So if I believe that God is who he said he is, and I'm always confessing that he's rewarding me, what do you think I'm going to always see in my life? More rewards. So if I see more rewards, it's because I think I'm supposed to see more rewards. If I don't, it's because I don't think that way, okay? Now, so just as there are natural laws of gravity, we know what goes up must come down, right? There are natural laws of aerodynamics, which has three components to it. The law of thrust is what moves the airplane forward. The law of drag is what holds the airplane back. And then the law of lift is what keeps the airborne in or the uh, airplane airborne. All right. And so we all know that we believe in the law of gravity because none of us are getting ready to go up in that balcony and jump off and believe that we're going to stay suspended in the air. And you can't put in Jesus' name on that and think that (laughs) I jump off in Jesus' name. You're going to jump right off and land on this floor down here, right? Because there's a law in place that says what goes up must come down, right? There's a magnet in the earth that's going to pull down, right? And people are going to hit that ground and and splat, right? So people aren't going to do that. I know that you believe in the law of aerodynamics. I've been on a plane thousands of times. And guess what, folks? We believe that that plane is going to get from Atlanta to California. And a matter of fact, I just saw on the news last night, two nights ago, two pilots arrested for being drunk while flying an airplane. I mean, oh, you really trust people when you get on an airplane. Am I right or wrong? I've flown thousands of times, but we trust that process that once... Those three things are in place, we're going to get to our desired destination, right? This is what I believe. I don't put faith in the pilot, I put faith in God. Every time I get on a plane, I lay hands on the plane and I say, The blood of Jesus protects this aircraft and our lives. Ministering angels go forth, cause us to arrive safely at our place of destination in Jesus' name. Even if the pilot falters, ministering angels will take this a plane up and cause it to land safely at the destination. And I believe that with all of my heart, he could have been sloppy, drunk, fall out, laid out in the cockpit, and an angel going to slide right in that seat and take that plane right where it needs to go and land that plane. Why? Because I'm on it. All right? And trust me, that's the only reason you get on a plane is because you believe, you trust that that plane is going to get you uh, wherever it is that you're desiring to go, all right? So if you believe in the law of gravity, you believe in the law of aerodynamics, how many know there's something called the law of life and there's something called the law of death? And both of them are equally as potent. And as long as I stay in the law of life in Christ Jesus, then death cannot, it can't win in no area of my life. It can't win in my marriage. It can't win with my children. It can't win in my finances. It can't win in any area of my life. But the opposite of that is true, too, because we're free will agents. If you choose to operate in the law of death, then you're going to get the effects of that death. All right, everybody still with me today? All right, let's keep traveling here. Now, what we're going to look at, and I'm not going to get real far today, which is okay, because I just want to introduce this. We're going to look at seven spiritual laws of prayer, okay? Again, throw out everything that you've ever heard about the subject. We're going to look at it from Grace's perspective. Seven spiritual laws. These are not steps. If I follow these seven steps, then God will do this. This is not none of that. These are relational things that if we understand this. How many know there's a way? I have to live with my wife according to knowledge. Right? And I don't determine what that looks like. She communicates to me what I need to do to live with her peacefully. And listen, if I want peace, I better line up. Because hell has no fury like a woman scorned. Matter of fact, Proverbs said three times, man, you better get your butt up on the, in the, on the roof, in the, in, on the, in the corner of that roof, than to be down in that house with an angry and contentious woman. So when she tell me this is what I need, I'm lining up. Oh, you're hoodwinked. I, that's what I am. I'm hoodwinked. <laughs> call me whatever you want to call me. She trained you. She trained me really well. <laughs> I'm trained all day long, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I know what to do and what not to do. Amen. Man, your nose is wide open. There it is. Keep looking right up. It's <laughs> wide open. <laughs> that works. You understand? That works. Yes, ma'am. What do you need me to do? Yes, ma'am, I got it. Yes, yeah, I got you. I got you. What you need? It's done. I know these fellas looking like, hey man, you messing some stuff up right now, man. But the reality is, if I want to live peaceably, I've been listening to what she's talking about. And vice versa. She needs to listen to what I'm talking about. She know it too. As a matter of fact, she's not here right now, so I'm gonna talk to this chair. You- <laughs> To this seat. You know, you you already know. You already know. Line up. Line up. Line up. I don't want to hear that. Just line up. I'm doing my part. You do your part. All right. Spiritual law. Seven spiritual laws of prayer. Number one, you must ask. Now, you all might think that's simple, but you'd be surprised. You know how I many people come up here and say, Pastor, pray for me. Okay? Is there anything specific that I can pray with you about? No, just want you to pray for me. <laughs> in that moment, all I can do is shaka ba 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 ba. I don't, cause I don't know what we're praying. <laughs> You'll be surprised how many people sitting in this room. This is how they go to God. God, you are you know my situation. You got a lot of situations going on. Which one are you talking about? <laughs> Am I right? Which one are we talking about here? God, God, you see these issues going on in my life. Which issues? You got a lot of issues going on in your life. Y'all understand, you'd be surprised how we're not specific when we're praying. We're praying general, but we're not praying, praying well-specific. And with God, he ha- you have to let him know specifically what it is that you need. Or you'll get general results. Instead of specific specific results, all right? And so, number one, you must ask. We're going to look at two verses here, and then I'm just going to close for the day. Go to Luke chapter 11, two texts here, and then I'll close for the day. You must ask. Christ taught that you must ask. Go to Luke chapter 11, and let's read verse 9 and 10. And it's going to take faith for you to receive what I'm getting ready to share with you, okay? You either believe this or you don't believe it. Two texts. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. What did he just say? And what? He said here, seek, and you will find. He said, knock, and it will be opened to you. Now, you either believe this or you don't. For everyone who asks, what does it say? What does it say? What does it say? Everyone who asks receives. Everyone. So he's not just doing something for Vinny that he's not doing for me. I'm a part of the everyone. Everyone that asks receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Which simply means, folks, every time we ask, we should look to receive what it is that we asked. We're going to get to a part in this message where there's a period between when I've asked God for something and when I've actually manifested, what do I do in between so that I don't get discouraged? Because depending on the magnitude of what you ask God for, it may take him time to put all the pieces together to get that to you. Does that make sense? But what I want you to focus in on here, everyone who asks does what? Okay, go to John chapter 15. Do you really believe that every time you go to God and ask him for something, you're going to receive it? Because that's the posture you want to have every single time. John chapter 15, and let's read verse 7. We'll close right here for the day. John chapter 15, verse 7. I'm not done. We got a long way to go. Just introduce them. Okay. John chapter 15, verse 7 says, if, conditional clause, right? You abide in me. Now, this word abide here means to continue to endure And to remain. Now, I like the fact that the Greek put the word endure there because we get saved and we think everything is automatic and we're not going to go through something. Actually, folks, the righteous are going to suffer persecution, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. See, don't forget the back end of that, right? We're going to go through stuff. And so, what he's talking about is those that can go through it, but they stay in. A lot of people want what I have, but I promise you, you don't want to go through what I went through to get it. I promise you that. You don't want none of this. <laughs> Honestly, if I knew I had to go through it to get it, I wouldn't want it. It's, you don't want none of this. I, no, you don't want this, man. This is, this is, whew. Man, you knew what I've been through, huh? And I'm not celebrating it. It's just called life. I remember one time I went through five of the most traumatic experiences someone can go through in life. I went through all five of them in four months. Four months. So, folks, how many of you have to have some stick-to-itiveness? See, this race is not given to the swift, but to those who endure to the what? So I need you to understand the concept that he's talking about here. You can't be, well, I've been to church two weeks in a row. Where is my blessing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I, I didn't cuss today at all. You all understand? We're talking about people that can hang in there and deal with life and stay strong in the things of God. I mean, you got to go through things being misunderstood. There, there are times you're going to mean something one way, and they're going to take it a completely different way. Can you deal with that? Can you really deal with that? There are times you're going to be falsely accused. You didn't even do it, but everybody believed you did. How do you respond to that? Anyone in here married? There are going to be times your spouse misunderstands you. And believes wholeheartedly a wrong way about you. Can you keep doing what's right because it's right? I'm trying to give you the context of what he's talking about here. We're not talking about people that when everything is good, I love Jesus. We're talking about when it's not going good, I love Jesus. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills, but God, you're still good. I've been given a bad report from the doctor. They said, I've got a lump in my breast, but God, you're still good. You all understand, this is what we're talking about here. When life comes, it doesn't change my position towards God. So he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now, for the first time, Lawrence, I looked up words here because I automatically assumed it was what? Logos, the written word. It's not logos, it's rhema, which means utterance or spoken word. So I said, okay, Lord, I see what you're saying. There are times when I need to abide in what's written, and that's all the time. But how many know there are other things that he speaks to us that we can't find written in here, but we can find supported in here. And we have to equally abide in that as much as we do what's written. Oh, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen right now. Let me give you some examples of this because I want to slow down and make sure you understand this. I believed I was called to my previous church and pastor for the rest of my life. And I would have told anybody that on any given day and would have served that for the rest of my life regardless of how I was treated. Because I'm doing that for a higher reason. Listen very carefully. So when the first separation was created and I ended up in Orlando, I want you to listen very carefully, I ended up in Orlando. God never told me to go to Orlando. An event happened and I ended up in Orlando. So now watch this. Because my heart was not wrong. I wasn't trying to hurt people. God still prospered us in Orlando, but I couldn't enjoy it. So to kind of give you an example of what that looks like, I can remember preaching a service, uh, and the building is so packed that they had to put me in a boxed area, pulpit boxed area. They brought chairs in from the side, if you can picture that, chairs in from this side. And I'm preaching in a little space like this, giving altar call. They've got to wipe out all the chairs as fast as they can because the altar call is straight across the front. And this is what I did after that service. I went back in my office and cried like a baby. Because I knew I was not where I was supposed to be. And for two years, God never left me alone about that. All right? I'm talking about now the spoken word of God. I'm supposed to be with this group. This is my pastor. I can't leave that on my own. Are you listening to me? I have to be released from that. So I go back and I see that pastor. And I share with him what's in my heart. And I say, I want to finish what I started. I appreciate all that you've done. Anyway, that's how I ended up back in Atlanta, which was the will of God for our lives. So we're there in Atlanta for years, and you saw the fruit and the result of that. This time, I was removed from the assignment. So now you understand that releases me. Hope you're listening. But I still have to be where God instructed me to be, which was Atlanta. I could have went somewhere else and would not have experienced what we're experiencing right now because what he told us was Atlanta. That is just as much the written word of God for me because he spoke it to me as anything else. All right? So now I want you all to, I really want you to be careful with what I'm getting ready to tell you. At the end of the day, that person is still my father. I know that's going to scare some of you all in here. I'm not going to do anything crazy. But I will treat that right, given the opportunity to treat it right. That's all I can say to you. You give me the opportunity to treat it right, I'm going to treat it right. Okay? And that's because that's what God spoke to me. So what you're hearing is something that has nothing to do with the other person. I wouldn't put you all under that. I want to be clear because I know some of y'all about ready to get up, walk out right now and say, Pastor, that's all good, but uh, Lord didn't say that to me. He said that to you. I get all of that, okay? I hope you all hear the spirit of what I'm saying. Forgiveness is a great gift. Restoration is a great gift. Recovery is a great thing. It's good for the body of Christ to see two leaders come back together. Right, for the purpose of being a great example to the body. That's a good thing. And I pray that that happens someday. That we can sit across and have lunch and have a good conversation. And I can still say I appreciate all that you've ever done for me. And in part, I wouldn't be who I am today if God didn't use you. And, sir, I have a deep desire to just honor that and treat that right the rest of my life. Now, as a grown man, how many of y'all know that doesn't mean I go and take all of this and put that back under here. I'm only talking about relationally how I want to treat that because I know that's what God spoke to me. But I also know it has to be two parties involved. So if he never wants that, I'm also comfortable going on with my life for the rest of my life because I didn't create the separation. Everybody clear? I desire that. But if that never happens because it takes two sides. I'm okay being linked up for the rest of my life. Everybody clear. So there'll be things that you can go to the Word of God, and you'll know that I'm supposed to do that. There'll be other things that the Spirit of God will speak to you, and it is just as much the Word of God as anything else. This is why you just don't go running off chasing money. I see people who leave jobs, and they leave the state, go somewhere else, chasing money, and then there's not a good church there. Hello, somebody. There's nowhere for, no the schools are terrible in this system. They made a money decision instead of a God decision. I'd rather have less money in an environment where my children can be safe and go to a good school. Come on, somebody. But more importantly, I want to be where God told me to be. So even if I know people want to be successful, they want to take care of their families, but if God didn't tell you to do that, it's not going to prosper. You'll chase it. It's just going to run away from you. Finding out what he said is critical. How of y'all glad you came to church today. Good stuff, isn't it? That's why you just don't marry someone because our kids will be cute if I marry them. Outwardly, they might be cute, but inwardly, what's really going on? All right, this getting ready to bless you real good. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask for what you desire. Notice what he didn't say, Tonette. He didn't say, ask for what you need. He said, you can ask for what you desire. That's how good God is. How you know my wife is not in need? My wife is a desire. It's the truth. I don't need her. I desire her. Is everybody clear? And so, help the single people out in here. When I was single, believing God for a wife, there was something I was desiring. And it wasn't that she prayed in tongues and, and sang in the choir and I forget all that. That's later on. I'm just keeping it real. You all can act like that. Oh, I want a woman that can pray after I make sure I desire her first. (laughs) Am I right or wrong? Praying wouldn't have helped her out at all, would it? You didn't come say, oh, I love the way you pray, right? Now, now you saw her and said, (laughs) am I right or wrong? Now that you're married, you know you did the right thing, right? (laughs) Okay. Stay with me now. Watch this. Now I'm 22 years old. I give my life to God, four years. Get myself together, right? Get, get my life together. Get out of my parents' house. Get my own place. How many of those are all good things to do? Not be dependent on my parents. Not only get a place, but get a place with some furniture in it. And have a job that can pay the bills at that place. Say that word again, consistently. Not one month. And believe in God for the next month. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for helping me with my message today. All right. So consistently. So now I'm 26 years old and now I'm ready to go out uh, looking for a wife. And so I would begin to tell people what I'm looking for. You know, education was important to me. I wanted someone that had graduated from college, someone that was ministerially trained because I knew what God had called me to do. I wanted someone who loved exercise and preferably played sports, who would understand me because I'm in the gym four or five days a week. I love the gym. That's a big part of my life. I love working out. So I wanted someone that was athletic, outdoorsy, sporty, all these things. And I would tell people uh, this is what I'm believing for and this is what they would say this is what I desire and this is what they would say well man you'd be waiting a long time because you're looking for Jesus in a skirt <laughs> but guess what God gave me Jesus in a skirt <laughs> well, now I don't know about you all she was a desire she wasn't a need I did not want to be that guy you know, I heard a story about this one preacher. He married his um, wife because she could sing under a great anointing. And every time she sang, the anointing would just fall in that place. And so when he saw her, he was like, she'd be great for my ministry. She'd be a real great asset to what God's called me to do. Uh, because every time he'd see her singing, it was like she was angelic and, and she'd be great. And then when he, after he married her, he got her back home and she took her hair off, took her eyes off. Took some, took a butt pass out, took all that, put that on. The, he realized he was laying in the bed and he looked at her and he was like, Sing, girl, sing. Hurry up and sing. How I many of y'all know I don't want, some, I didn't want to marry somebody that I got to be praying all the time, like, Lord, help me to help my unbelief, Lord. Uh, Let me confess over her that she looks good, and and let let me say it, and then maybe I'll see it. No, I didn't want to go through all of that. I, I wanted to be what it is, which was what I desired. I'm trying to help you all understand. God will give you what you desire, even beyond what you need. The car I drive is just a desire. The clothes are just a desire. The house we live in is just a desire. God has no problem giving you the desires of your heart. The building that he's getting ready to give us, folks, is just a desire. And i am telling you, and I I desire big things. Wait till you see this children's church area. The children's church area is going to be the first thing you see as soon as you come in the building. I mean slides, bouncy, jumper, inside play area, outside play area, rubber floor so when they're playing outside and fall, they won't skin up their knees basketball courts. I'm talking about first-class children's facilities like you've never seen in your life. And you're going to think, what's wrong with Pastor?" Because I'm going to take care of the kids first. We might sit in chairs in a blank sanctuary, but the kids are going to have the best and we're going to go last. I parent the same way, folks. My kids go first. I go last. And if that means I get nothing, I get nothing. Okay? I want you to see this. God will give you your desires. My wife is a desire to me. My children, how I many you know I don't need those kids? <laughs> they cost too much money. Anyway, pay this tuition one month and you'll see what I'm talking about. I don't need those kids. Those kids are a desire I don't need them. Matter of fact, looking forward to when I don't have to pay that tuition no more. (laughs) You can tell that tuition bothering me right now. It's tuition renewal season. (laughs) Which means you have you remember those days, don't you? Which means you gotta pay the renewal deposit first, which is a lot of money. And then if you want to pay in full three months later, you can save six percent. You don't pay it in full, it's an additional six percent on to that. How many of know I don't need those kids? (laughs) But those kids are a desire, and I love them dearly. So much so, my daughter uh, came in my room last night, and she had just gotten back from Alabama, and uh, she came in about 10.30, and she just laid on my chest. Well, she's been doing this her whole life. And I mean, that's a blessing for her to be 15 and still just come into bed and lay on her father's chest. And so, like all little girls, she just talked the whole time. <laughs> and so... I looked up, Mrs. Vane, true story, it was 12 o'clock. So she had just talked 90 minutes straight. And so, but, you know, this is my little girl, so I'm going to let her stay there. I'm thinking to myself, I got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. But I can't say that to her because this is a moment for her. And so she laid there till 1230 just talking the entire time. He said, okay, I'm tired. I'm getting ready to go to sleep now. Gave me this, planted this big old kiss on me. And how many y'all know having a relationship with your daughter like that, It means the world to me. And I always tell her, and you might think, well, why would you tell her that? I always tell her, baby, I will never cheat on your mother because if I cheat on your mother, then I've cheated on you. And I will never give you a warped perception of what men are like or your future husband will be like. I'll never put a warped perception of that in your mind. And she just gives me this big hug every time I say that to her. And that's a true story. I want you to listen to me. I'll never cheat on my wife. I'm telling anybody in here, don't you try that. I'm telling you, I promise you, I am going to call you out. I'm going to post your picture. You better not be on Facebook either. (laughs) If you ever see this woman right here, stay away from her. She's trying to wreck homes. I promise you that. I promise you. You inbox me something inappropriate, I'm posting it. This person inboxed me this. Stay away from her. Send me an inappropriate picture. I'm posting it. <laughs> <laughs> they, this person sent this picture trying to distract me from my, this is a home wrecker. Stay away from her at all costs. How many know we need more men like that in the world? Okay. All right. I'm just going to stop right there for the day. Did you all get anything out of this today? Okay, we'll pick it back up on next week, the blessing of answered prayer. It is a blessing, folks, to have your prayers not just heard but answered. Once you understand that God wants to answer them, he wants to give you the desires of your heart, he wants to reward you, you, don't you think that's going to change how you approach him? Okay? Everyone in this building, God is not condemning you. God loves you right where you're at. Okay? Let's all lift our hands to the Father and just thank him for what we heard today. I'm just introducing this. And we're going to get into it deeper and deeper. A lot of people think they understand what it means to pray in Jesus' name. And we use that like it's a magic wand or something in Jesus' name. But If you don't understand the Old Testament, you can't even understand why we pray in Jesus' name. Jesus is fulfilling a priestly law, mandate, order from the Old Testament, but he's fulfilling it in a much better way. So when we say it, we know unima, authority, and a character, but we don't really understand where it comes from in terms of why we do it today. And because it's a part of law, it's supposed to work every single time when we understand why we're using it. We're going to get into that. That's the second point that we'll talk about ask, you must ask, then you must ask in Jesus' name. What does that really mean? Now, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed in prayer, no one moving, no one talking, unless you've been assigned to do so. Man, God loves you so much. God's not mad at you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your life looks like. I don't care where you live or